0: you're listening to the writer than you podcast welcome into the show good morning happy friday eve as we have come to call it here on the program tom celestino is the executive producer andrew Bogish is his best friend who gives us headlines bottom of the hour which is a dumb expression it's from when a clock was hanging on a wall and the 6th, that's the 30th at the bottom. Took me, a long, took me a long time to figure out what that meant when I got in radio. First radio, hey, we're going to do that at the bottom of the hour. Oh, sounds great. What's the bottom of the hour? Uh, 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. Twitter, I have a blue check mark for now. I ain't paying $8 for it, so enjoy while it's there. Sports Rider, $8. No, man. Sports Rider, sports R E I. T E R D Cell doesn't have one, but he will soon at D Cell CBS. <laughs> I don't even know if he wants one. Uh, Dennis Dodd, the Dodd Father, will be on the show one hour from now. We'll talk college football. We'll talk the college football playoff rankings. We'll talk Dana O'Neill's report. The Zags, Gonzaga. I don't know why I say the Zags like I'm in Boston, the other side of the country. Gonzaga. Iing well, maybe a lot of conferences, but the Big Twelve being the primary one in the report. Buyer cells coming up. Bunch of headlines from sports. After we talk to Dennis, we will get to tonight's absolutely sarcasm alert, riveting, oh, can't wait, Thursday night football game against a really good team in the Eagles, and then just another team in the Texans. My mom once told me, she actually never told me this, but apparently everyone's mom tells them, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all, and luckily for my career choice, I disagree with that. Uh, NFL bets in about 30 minutes, Kyrie Irving's not an apology, apologies, not even an apology. Here's some money, and I'm full of it. So we'll get into that in just a moment. A shocking cheating scandal, some confidence from Tua Tunga-Vailoa, and a, a commonality between the Dolphins quarterback and one Tom Desel ostino Again, we—good <laughs> morning, Tom. Uh, good morning, Bill. Happy Friday Eve to you. Hello, Tua of CBS Sports Radio, Pretty Daddy, uh, Farmer Tom, so many monikers it's hard to keep keep track of. Happy Friday E, to you as well. And again, we, we went through this yesterday, and Tom loved it. Um, Tom wants to take your phone calls. If phone rings, he's going to answer it at, at 855-212-4CBS. And then if I don't put you on, I'm just going to blame Tom, because that is the beauty of having a producer. No, I, I'm just kidding. I want you on. 855-212-4CBS. A little, um, well, I was going to start the show and tell you we had a little maybe even a lot of October magic yesterday in the World Series. Christian Javier, starting pitcher, strikes out nine, goes six innings. One of, it's either four or 51 pitchers, I I can't remember, who combine for the Astros in Game 4 of the World Series in Philadelphia against the Phillies for no-hitter. And on paper, and maybe in practice, it's the stuff of legend. It really is the stuff of magic in baseball It is only the third no-hitter in postseason history. Only the second. Again, this one's combined since the World Series. And the only other no-hitter in World Series history is probably the greatest individual single game pitching performance in the history of the sport. Uh, Don Larson, 1956. Perfect game. That's obviously a very long time ago. And... Part of what makes this magic even more interesting is the the way that Javier has played going back several months. Now, he had one postseason out of the bullpen, sort of emergency outing where he gave up an earned run. But other than that, this guy, as a starter, which is what he is, has not allowed a run since September 7th. Last night's game, even though it was a combined no-hitter that knots the series up a 2-2 and makes it a best of three is a continuation under the most severe pressure, under the brightest of lights, of a level of excellence by that Astros pitcher that has been nothing but dominant and almost perfect going on six weeks, which is a, going on two months, excuse me, which is a hell of a long time in baseball. Over his last six starts, this dude has pitched 34 and a third innings. This is postseason and... Regular season, obviously. And hitters are batting a paltry 113 against him. And he was... And, and and look, there were some other guys in there that were part of the equation. Ryan Presley closed it out. Rafael Montero was in there. Was it Brian Abreu who was, who was the other guy that, that was in the mix? I don't know the other 51 people who contributed. And... For me... There's a little bit of just a rolling my eyes cuz a no-hitter doesn't feel like a no-hitter to me. I can't celebrate it the same way. It doesn't feel like the same level of excellence when it's combined. But I probably need to brush that aside for the fact that not only did it happen in the World Series, which is amazing, it happened against a Phillies team. Forget hits. Remember they had zero yesterday. That's what a no-hitter means. They had five home runs in the pre- five home runs in the previous game. 24 hours earlier. Five home runs, and Dusty Baker, who I have such mixed feelings about, because great guy by all accounts, and, and and incredibly impressive, impressive manager. And a lot, Alonzo Rizzo told us there are very few skippers in the Hall of Fame who have not won a World Series, and he probably can be one of them. But he wins this thing. It is the culmination. It is the crowning jewel. It is the exclamation point behind one of the great managing careers in baseball history. And yet, as a Cubs fan. Unfair, but we attach emotions, right? We, 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 um, we have nostalgia for our teams. We also have anger when things go badly. I've got mixed feelings on Dusty Baker because of the Bartman game and the use of pitchers you don't care about, but I do, like Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood. I mean, Mark Pryor's probably selling insurance somewhere. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. And then I find myself in the series, even though I can't root for the Astros because of the cheating scandal from a few years ago, rooting for Dusty Baker. I know you can't have both. I know it's a paradox. It is what it is. And Dusty, after the game... Uh, Clearly, feeling like this World Series, it's eluded him for so long, and obviously his team would like this to justify or erase the past one under that cloud of cheating. Dusty Baker, the manager of the Astros, knows they're getting close.
1: That's what we were coming here trying to, you know, take it back home. I mean, you wanted to win them all, but, you know, we realize how tough these guys, you know, have been in this ballpark. And uh, uh, reality, um, you know, when you go on the road, if you can. Win two out of three, then you've you've had a pretty good series.
0: I'm going to give Christian Javier the full credit for the uh, for the no hitter. It's his the whole thing. Now I haven't gotten a hold of Robert Manfred in part because he won't take my call, and in part because I'm convinced based on the stewardship of baseball, he actually doesn't know how to use a cell phone. So we're gonna have to figure we have to figure it out. So I'm gonna have to sort of press this. But here's why: in a normal circumstance, in a normal situation, you credit the guy for whatever the innings are. In this case, he went six six innings pitched, and then the bullpen stepped in and was was fabulous. That's all he gets credit for. I think last night, if you watched the game, if you've ever watched a World Series game, which I'm sure you have, I've had the great benefit, the pleasure, really, of being to one, being to seven. I went to the all seven of the Cubs-Cleveland series. Now, I've said this on the air before. Other than the final four, I think, no sport, for me, and I've been to all of them in person, and they're all amazing, no sport approaches, in terms of pressure, The physical change that happens in the building, in the ballpark, in the stadium, in the arena, whatever it is, the way that it does in in the baseball postseason this late. It's cold outside, right? So the game feels different. Usually it's cold outside. But there's just a, for lack of a better term, for me, the particles in the air change. They feel heavier. There's just some, your breath catches. And I just mean as a fan watching, even if you're not that invested. There's just... An unrelenting sense of history and pressure in the World Series, even compared to the other sports. It's not to say that you don't feel that at Super Bowls. You do. Or an NBA Finals. You do. Or, or anything else you want to point to. There's just something about baseball, I don't know what it is, that makes that sense of, oh my god, every moment matters. feel feels so overwhelming. Maybe it's because you've gone from a marathon that got you here, and now it's a dead sprint. And you're so used to... Every single game meaning something, but not re- right. It's it's it's, it's lar- part of a larger link. Now, one pitch or one swing can can change an entire season, and in that context, that pressure, that reality, the fact that Christian Javier took the mound, who's been almost unhittable against a Phillies team that's been literally unstoppable, especially offensively, and that was demonstrated the night before, and he went six innings pitched without giving up a single hit broke, at least for the night, we'll see what happens over the next two or three games, it broke the spirit and the confidence of that Phillies team. We've talked so much about how do you break the momentum of of, of a squad like Philadelphia when they're just in such good form. Can a little bit of a layoff do it? It didn't. Could a rainout do it? It didn't. Christian Javier did, at least for a night. And I think, and again, not taking anything away from Abreu or Montero or or, or Presley or anything, right? Good for those guys. But when the bullpen came in, Christian Javier had, had done something, confidence-wise, that the the weight of the energy in the air that I was trying to talk about, he had just taken that feeling of fear and excitement and pressure in the World Series, and he had, com- he had commanded it for his team and unleashed it against Philadelphia for a night. And I think you can kind of hear it here from Kyle Schwarber. I know he, this is after the fact, but you can just hear a guy who 24 hours earlier was one of the celebrators. This is one of the Phillies hitters, and I love Kyle Schwarber. Not real, ha- you're going to have to ask him, but not want to talk about what on earth Javier just did to these guys.
1: I really don't give a f- <laughs> nope. move on tomorrow. It's cool, we'll be in the history books, I guess.
0: It sounds like he does give a bleep, but that's okay, I would too. Incredible performance, and I'll leave you on this. And I'm not saying that we're in a simulation. I'm not saying that we're some computer model that's incredibly advanced and whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you watch the post-game interview with our friend Ken Rosenthal, uh, when he interviewed Christian Javier, the guy who, who who started this thing, through an interpreter. Javier speaks Spanish, and, and, and Ken does not. It was such a great interview. And at the end, toward the end of the interview, you find out Christian Javier's parents the night before predicted to him he was going to throw a no-hitter. Told him he was going to throw a no-hitter. So we've got psychics. We've got combined no-hitters. We've got a World Series that's best of three. We've got David versus Goliath. If Goliath had a history of cheating and David had a history of just not even being there, it is amazing stuff, a lot of fun to watch. And I am going to, just for this one, I'm going to just just put a pause on my combined no-hitters, aren't no-hitters at all. Congratulations, Christian Javier! I'm sure you also give a bleep about my opinion on this. I'm giving you credit for the whole damn thing. Eight five five two one two four CBS. If you want to give us a holler, eight five five two one two four CBS is the phone number. That is where D Cell comes in. He's excited. Uh, Twitter Sports, Rider Sports, R E I T E R. You love it, Tom. <laughs> it's a line from a spy. Grossly underrated film. Grossly! Oh, you love it. I did that accent wrong. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into two things that are that are really really on the opposite ends of the spectrum in just a second. Uh, on the in the back half of this, I'm gonna compare I'm gonna compare Deshaun, one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. There's there's a similarity that's, that's stunning. It's shocking to me. But before that, I do want to get into Kyrie Irving, his non-apology, and the underwhelming reality of who this guy is and what he's about in the face of something awful that he put into the world. We'll do both those things next year on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. You know, I should have brought that up in the open. I didn't think of it. Like Tom cracked a code in advance. There was long ball two days ago. But then Christian Javier decided there's no ball. We'll get into that second. All right, let's get the serious stuff out of the way. I think it's important. We have talked since Kyrie Irving's post- of an anti Semitic film that is, and can we call it what it is? I was trying to explain to my son, he's like, he asked me, what's the difference between racism and anti Semitism? My, my kid is eight, He's ten, excuse me, I don't know his age. Uh, it's bigotry, it, it's, it's all bigotry. And bigotry against one group does not justify bigotry against another. I, I'd like to say, obviously, it's not as obvious as it should be, unfortunately, these days in this country. Kyrie Irving's post? was was bigoted, it was, and it perpetuated anti-Semitism very clearly. I got to experience that firsthand, even though I'm not a Jewish man, and I'm obviously not a black man. It doesn't mean that people aren't dumb enough not to just throw hate in every direction when you say something they don't want to hear. All right, You're, you know what happened, he put the post up, based on an anti-Semitic book of a film, that is, I tried to watch it, I watched a good chunk of it, it's horrendous, it's horrible. You don't have to take my word for it, you can watch it, but it's certainly anti-Semitic. Kyrie didn't take it down for, what, four days? Finally took it down. Uh, had a press conference post-game over the weekend against the Pacers, if I remember all the details properly. Was unapologetic. And now he has done the classic, sorry, not sorry, I'm going to hide behind my wealth and my status move of someone who makes this kind of a mistake. He, he and the Nets are donating $500,000 each to an anti-hate organization. Cool. That's nice. And he put out a long statement that's not an apology, It says what he should have said himself in person, including, quote, I oppose all forms of hatred and oppression and stand strong with communities that are marginalized and impacted every day. I am aware of the negative impact of my posts with the Jewish community, and I take responsibility. That's not an apology. I doubt very much he wrote it himself. And we talk a lot about being skeptical as to whether or not when powerful people, famous people, as it relates to what we talk about on this show, athletes, when they have these statements— and I've said this before, Kyrie Irving, I'd rather hear from them. Do we give them the benefit of the doubt? Do we believe they mean it, they think it, they wrote it? I don't have to guess here. I saw Kyrie Irving talk on Saturday a few nights ago. I know that he's dodged the media since then. This isn't what he believes or what he said he believes. If he did believe it, he should come out and say so and be questioned. And Because apologies and humility... And trying to admit you're wrong is in part about saying those words, not having someone else do it. I don't want to belabor this for very long. We don't have to get into it forever. I just find it ridiculous the way this guy is not going to have consequences. A suspension, at least. Myers-Leonard doesn't play for anybody for the Miami Heat since he used an anti-Semitic term on a live stream while he was gaming. And he claims he didn't know what he meant. Okay, maybe. Why does Myers-Leonard not get a second chance and Kyrie Irving doesn't get punished at all? It's about talent. It's not about what's right or wrong, and shame on the NBA and shame on the Nets. And buying their way to a a, this is behind us might be effective. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it correct. Don't believe Kyrie Irving because I've seen what he's posted. I've heard his words. I haven't heard from him. And some statement by a PR person to throw money at the problem, that is not an apology. It's not an apology. All right, the end. 855 212 for CBS if you want to if you want to give us a call. Um, let's transition here. Let's go from really serious to kind of serious to, to you know how D cells exactly like like Tua. Did you guys see that there's a good morning Andrew, a huge cornhole cornhole, excuse me, is that called cornhole? Professional cornhole has a huge cheating scandal. And the first thing I thought is there's professional cornhole? These guys make 250 grand a year?
2: Well, clearly you don't watch like ESPN2 on Saturday and Sunday mornings because so that I is prime time. Oh. But this is maybe the fourth chapter of a lot of bizarro sports cheating. Yeah. We've had yep. guys cheating in competitive fishing, and the chess world chess. rocked by a scandal yep. that got very lewd at times. So, like, all hell is breaking loose on the lower levels of the sports world.
0: Why is these Diesel-, Diesel, what's...
1: You're just being all judgy. No, no, I'm. Ju- I'm just laughing that the chess world was rocked by this cheating scandal. I don't it know. Was, that, yeah, yeah, that hit my funny bone.
0: You really, yeah. The, and there's another one that 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 that, that cheat is one. I can't remember. Cornhole for me is like golf times a thousand. I am bad at cornhole, zero to two beers. I am so good at cornhole <laughs> at two and a half beers to three and a half, but post that. The wheels really come off. And I find cornhole, like golf, to be a very difficult activity to do without continuing to feel like Budweiser is going to assist me. Like it's a, it, it, having, doing those things without Budweiser to me is, is like trying to swim without water. I don't, I haven't figured out how to do it yet.
2: Cornhole cuts at my limited masculinity maybe more than anything else these days. Because, A, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not a fun drinker. And, B, I'm not good at it, drunk or not. And I feel like everybody just, like, knows the rules and can, has, like, technique and strategy and skills. And I'm just a doofus. And oh, I'm not going to practice throwing a beanbag at a you hole would. in a wooden board. But I feel like yeah. maybe I should so I feel better about myself at the next summer barbecue.
0: Well, let me tell you something, because no one's going to call you on this. Here's what you got to do, and I think you have tons of masculinity, and I think you're not a doofus, and I think you're amazing. But if you need that to be reinforced on Cornell, apparently what you do is you're going to boil the bags in vinegar to shrink them and make them more fungible, and then you're going to go out there and you're going to crush these guys.
2: What does the fungibility increase do for my doofusness?
0: I think maybe you can. I'm <laughs> assuming it wasn't. It wasn't really explained to me in what I read this morning. But my assumption is that you can kind of smash it a little bit, so it's you're throwing a bean, ba- bean bag that's pushed together a little bit, so it's hev- it's 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 right center of gravity is ah, more.
2: So it's just gonna thud and, and stay smaller. on the board. Yeah. Okay.
0: Right. All right. I'm listening. It's supposed to be six inches by six inches. You shrink it to like five inches by five inches, but then you kind of push it together. Now it's almost like a four by four, you know, leaden weight. How you're and they're gonna be like, "Oh, damn! Bogus got masculine. Like, give me on their shoulders." I mean, this sounds a lot like deflated footballs
2: in New England. We're just Does. bringing it down a little bit, so my Does. small, dainty hands can grip it better, have more control of the of the beanbag.
1: I love this for you. Where it's like technically cheating, but it's not really cheating.
2: Well, no, it's all technically cheating. So you know, if I get punished. I'm going to turn off my cell phone to the correct cornhole authority so I can go through and see if I texted my equipment guy about shrinking the beanbags.
0: Let me ask you guys a question. It's a true story, and I'll give you the context after. Whether this is cheating or it's unethical. I've asked this before. I used to play, before I had kids, a lot of poker. I mean a lot. I once ended up in a barn in Iowa and almost got the crap kicked out of me in like a huge tournament. I used to play a lot of cards. And I went to in Des Moines, Iowa, it's called Prairie Meadows. They opened a casino and I was there and it was pretty happening and I would be playing no limit for like there'd be like five or six hundred dollars on the table per person if it, if it was which is a lot of money for me, especially back then, even now. And I sat next to a guy once in the sixth seat. if those of you play poker, guys right next to me, and he, he showed he looked at every card three feet from his hand. And I looked at every hand. I knew what his cards were, super drunk, and I took probably a thousand dollars off of him is that cheating? Cuz my I was taught protect your own hand. Is that unethical? I'll, I'll get your answer before I tell you the
1: context.
2: Um no, he was he was not safely covering his cards. Right. Correctly, that's not that's not your fault.
1: Do you sound, do you want to judge me? That's not your fault whatsoever. That's like sign stealing in baseball mm-hmm. when the pitcher and catcher are being obvious about their signs. Totally agree.
0: Have done it before. Have also told people, I can see their cards that they're nice. This guy happened to be spewing like sat down drunk, racist, awful, I just was a terrible person, and so I really and just enjoyed. it. Ta- and we're talking like, you know, I've got. Do you guys play poker at all? It, it, all the cards are out. I've got a pair of threes. He moves all in for one hundred and eighty dollars. He kept buying for one hundred and eighty dollars, and I'd be like, I call, man, and I'll just turn. He'd have to <laughs> muck is king high. So, so then, me, he, then me. the dealer called me out for it who i never tipped again and the guy got really mad
1: why wouldn't the dealer say something to him and say like hey you've been showing for hours here they rotate dealers
0: in then a dealer didn't like me very much i guess and he just told he told the guy but it's not the dealer's job no it's not
2: the dealer's job he's not mad. the he's not the police officer of of yeah. the table and this is not you hanging out with your buddies and you're like hey no. you sale, put your cards away like this is right. for real like, in a professional-ish setting. Like, you can't.
1: Why would I be the one showing my cards? Because I wouldn't be you.
2: playing to begin with. I wouldn't oh. have shown up.
1: Yeah. He's busy boiling his,
0: his uh, <laughs> yeah. cornhole I'm on the cornhole circuit. Yeah, That's where I'm taking my money. money. Um, Did you see last night, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Andrew, I think you probably did. Um, the Phillies had cracked the code. They went long ball a couple nights ago. So, the Astros decided to go no ball.
2: Yeah, I mean... I, I don't want to toot my own horn again, but I'm pretty sure I'm the one that suggested short ball at the end of yesterday's show, and that's you what they did. suggest
0: short ball. Yeah. It's really good. Um, I was just thinking, because that was D-Cell's term yesterday, long ball. It was long. not my term. I did not make long up long ball. ball.
2: The, the the delivery was exclusive Strong. to you.
0: It was extremely confident. You took a random term, and you infused all the D-Cell confidence. And, and I just I was thinking about this. Like I really like how D-Cell's – Sense of self worth has really blossomed. And it was already strong. It was like, it was average, right? Like wins against replacement confidence level was, was zero. It was like, right. But now it's just walking around like he owns the place. And I heard this clip from Tua, Tongue of Iloa, and it made me think of D like two people, right? Trying to prove themselves, good at what they do, and now just, as Kirk Morrison would say, smelling themselves. So here's Tua, Tongue of Iloa, doing his best D
1: Imitation. I think throughout OTAs and throughout training camp, um, we could see the potential that we had um, as a team offensively and defensively. And, you know, we're, we're not afraid to talk about Super Bowls here. Um, we're not afraid to talk about, you know, going to a playoff game, um, having the opportunity to, to go to one and then, you know, hopefully winning one. Um, but, yeah, if, if you were to ask me that, I would say I have full belief that uh, we are capable, um, you know, even with the trades that we, we we've had,
0: so it struck me as how much Tua sounds like a guy that believes in himself now in a way that he didn't a year ago. And certainly, say what you want about Brian Flores, they made the right decision moving on from the guy. hindsight is twenty twenty, 20. and and the person they've hired has done an amazing job. But I just, it's nice, as with detail, to hear Tua just sound self assured and, and and sound like. And I don't think it's a put on. I think he actually believes in himself, Tom. And you have some insight into like superhero level self-confidence.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think a lot, there's a lot to be said about his head coach believing in him, feeling like his organization believes in him because his first two or three years, two years really, trade rumors, his head coach not wanting to play him. How is the guy supposed to integrate himself into the NFL and believe he's a franchise quarterback if everybody around him doesn't believe he's a franchise quarterback? And we, we talked about this at length in the offseason. It might have been hollow at the time, but Tyreek Hill, you know, propping up Tua, that he's the most accurate quarterback he's yeah. ever seen played with, like that probably made Tua more confident, whether it's true or not. But like, it's nice that the guy is actually feeling appreciated. I, I agree. I'm all in on. I'm all in on Tua. It's an amazing turnaround, Andrew. I mean, it. It. He's a different quarterback. They're undefeated when he plays the entirety of every game this season.
2: Right, and it just it shows you how interconnected everything is. that, And the true elite guys are the ones that maybe don't need all that interconnectivity, but Tua did. He needed a, the head coach that had the right scheme around him, the right confidence level. He needed Tyreek Hill. He needed Jalen Waddell. And none of that's a negative on him because everybody needs to be in the right system with help around them. Very few guys in any sport can do it by themselves. And as much as, we, you know, even obviously Tom Brady comes to mind, he still had Bill Belichick and he still had good players. He might have lacked all timers at skill positions at times, but there were still good players around him. There were good defenses around him. No matter what, you've got to be part of the bigger puzzle, and right now the puzzles, all the right pieces are in place in Miami for them to be very good right now.
0: I think it's worth a shout-out to a Dolphins front office that was under some fire, too. They get the hire right in their head coach. Mike McDaniel's been been awesome. They also simultaneously, and hiring McDaniel, clearly a big part of what, they needed him to do is fix Tua, but they also went out and invested in pieces to protect a quarterback and to help a quarterback, and Tyreek Hill is the primary example of, of the of the weapons they gave him, believing Tua was good enough, right? I mean, that was a gamble, too, and so for them to, whether because they were forced to or they believed it, they're doubling down on Tua Valoa. That doesn't usually work when a quarterback hasn't looked sharp early in their career, I think is a testament to that front office.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, the good news, I guess, for them is that we're about to ask a different set of questions about Tua because right. they are where they are. They've got to see the Bills again. They seem obviously locked into a playoff spot right now. So now we're talking about Tua in that conversation of January football, and we'll see how he survives that. But he's you know progressing to say you know to the way you'd want him to here this season so, so far. I'm
0: going to say something that could be totally wrong along those lines. I love that point. And I don't have the, the I don't have the information and, and we haven't seen two of these in these games to be sure, but if I had to guess my confidence level in Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins, but Tua specifically, I in postseason games, right, like pressure games, games that matter, I have more confidence in him than I do Lamar Jackson. I have more confidence certainly than I do Kirk Cousins. I have more confidence certainly than I do trying to think. Dak? Yeah, absolutely. Then Arizona's offense and that quarterback? I mean, I I, I buy Tua.
2: I mean, I, I understand that to a certain extent, but we also have not seen him do it in the NFL. So we actually have no idea if he's better than any of those guys. And I get the hesitation on all of them. Uh, it, it feels particularly unfair to Lamar Jackson, although we have multiple examples of him not being Peak Lamar Jackson in the postseason, but I just and I get the excitement of wanting to see to it in those spots. But he's a, he's an unknown; like it's almost not possible to have an opinion on what he is in January because he's never been there before in the NFL.
1: Yeah,
0: I, you're right. It's it's it could be totally misplaced. I just and some of that's Tua and some of that's their head coach and the whole right, the whole operation. Yes, whole operation. And those are part and partial. I, I think to a degree, you put a guy in a position to be successful, believes he can be successful. That confidence, thing matters. Would you take any of those guys? Well, you're a Dak guy, D. Would you take any of those guys above Tua? Tonga Valoa?
1: I think Tua right now I have on the same level as Dak in terms of playoff confidence.
0: I just I don't I don't believe I just don't believe in Dak. You know what I do believe in? Me. I'm going to do some NFL bets. I actually, don't. I'm getting I'm bad this year. Last year I was I don't know fifty eight percent, fifty nine percent win rate. We are not at that this season, so we're going to try to turn it around, largely by not even remotely listening to my brother, because we gambled together. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to channel Tua and DeSell, and I'm going to be brimming with confidence as we go through NFL lines and pick the bets that I'm putting my money on after we get a CBS Sports Radio update
1: from Andrew bogish You're listening to Writer Than You. Hey, what's up, Bill? Big fan. Just want to give a shout out to DeSell, too, because he screams my call. Thank you, D-Cell. Thank you, Andrew Bogus. I listen every day. I love the show. On CBS Sports Radio. Oh, look at that new
0: rejoin. The D-Cell praise rejoin. Alright. I like it. I told you this guy's brimming with confidence. I'm gonna make a new rejoin. Hey, uh, D-Cell, you're amazing. Welcome back to the show. Okay, Alright. See you. See you, Tua. Wow.
1: We needed some, right? some new rejoin?s I made some new rejoin?s.
0: Let me ask you a real question. I mean, it's a, all the questions are real, but let me ask you a question that I'm actually curious about. That I'm gonna just be fully transparent. As you know, I work at CBS Sports. ESPN is one of our competitors. I'm not usually a big fan of their of their programming, but on ESPN Plus, which is their streaming operation, they have a show called ESPN FC. It's their soccer show. It's an hour every day hosted by a guy named Dan. It's got a bunch of former players and some media on there. And I think it's one of the best sports shows on television. It is, I find it hilarious. I find it informative. And I, it's so good, I watch every episode. And that sometimes means that I'll work until 1130 at night, and then I'll watch, I'll literally watch an hour. I mean, there's not a lot of programming for me, sports or non-sports, that is must-see. It's really great. Okay. They take questions. They have this segment at the end called Extra time. It's a soccer term, as you know. And people write in questions all the time and they'll answer them. And I've thought about doing it because I like, I watch the show, but then I'm like, well, can I really be creating content with my own Twitter handle for an ESPN show? A sports reader, because that's what they'll pronounce it. Sports reader (laughs) wants to know of a Barcelona
1: soccer. What are your thoughts on this? If that's how they'll pronounce it, I think you're good then. You'll fly under the radar. Uh, together, yeah right? that that might be a little bit of an issue might be a problem yeah maybe we, don't do maybe it. we can use uh you know minor Bogush's Twitter. I right thought now. about that last night yeah yeah using yours right right I'm, I mean I'm a big soccer guy um if you, we do it because
0: I don't have access to your will you write soccer exclamation point the question and then soccer exclamation <laughs> point and see if they read it yeah absolutely all right well, let's do that and then we can play it on the show if it if it uh if it works uh, I need to make some money. And that means I've cut my brother out of the process. It's go time. Let's get some winning bets for a change.
1: Oh. Bill makes the tough picks so you can fade accordingly. It's time for Bet Writer with Bill. All
0: right, so I got Miami. Minus four and a half. They are favorites on the road at you guessed it the Chicago Bears. Uh, the number's now minus five. It has moved slightly. Here's my thinking, D Cell, and you went through some of this. Tua vailoa hasn't lost this season when he has played the entirety of a game. So you take away the absences and the game where he got knocked out and, and missed time. And 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 they're they're unbeaten. They're five and three now. The Bears are in tanking mode. They've traded away a whole bunch of people. Now, yes, there almost becomes you could argue. I don't think it's true for Chicago. A freedom in not much of is, is expected of us. They gave away everybody. We're going to play loose and free and angry at three and five. I just don't buy it. I'm not worried about the weather factor. I think Miami is a elite team. I think they're you got the Bills and you've got the Chiefs, and then I think Miami for me is just below them when two a plays. And in that context, they're clearly to me. I think they're ten points better than Chicago. So I'm rolling with confidence. I got Miami minus four and a half. It's now basically most places minus five if you want to put money on the Dolphins.
1: You mentioned it. The Chicago Bears will not be able to stop a nosebleed. No Robert Quinn. No Roquan Smith. I would think that Tua and Miami are going to put up somewhere around 35 points. I'm with you on Miami.
0: So this next one might seem counterintuitive, but I like betting on home underdogs that I think have something. And I actually like the... I haven't bet this one yet. I like the Commanders plus three and a half hosting a Vikings team that's excellent but farcical in the long run because of Kirk Kissing Cousins. Why do I call him Kirk Kissing Cousins? Because I've never kissed my cousin, and you probably haven't either, but as I understand it from the literature, uh, it just feels wrong. And so does believing in Kirk Cousins. <laughs> that's where that nickname comes from. Look, I I know that the intangibles and betting on them can be dangerous because even if it's something that's real, it's not measurable. By definition, the fact Dan Snyder is going to sell this team, I'm telling you, is a boon and a lift for a lot of those dudes. The Commanders, I think, have been quietly, not excellent, but solid. They're at home, and I just don't think the Vikings are a 7-14-3 or a seven. 14 and three team. I don't. I don't think they're this good. I think there are some slip-ups coming. This is the one for me,
1: for one of them. The Commanders have been playing good football. They got themselves back to five hundred four 4 4-4 on the season. It sounds like I want to be with you on this, but I'm not. You got to buy Good. the Minnesota Vikings. It's time to do it. I know Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. This is his time. Start believing. I like Minnesota. Start. That's a sort of a sort of a a popular song,
0: but I I uh, I can't sing it. Okay. Um I don't love this one and yet I love this one. Does that make sense? Give me the Jacksonville Jaguars as one and a half point home favorites against a Raiders team that you have to subtract five from on every line, however long Josh McDaniels is the head coach. Look, I still think Trevor Lawrence can figure it out. They've had flashes not consistent of him looking okay, and therefore the team looking okay under Doug Peterson. How do you take a quarterback who can't play four consecutive quarters well and make him a favorite? By pitting him against the Las Vegas Raiders. Give me the Jags. I mean, getting a point and a half is sort of a toss-up, but at home... It's almost like getting
1: three on a neutral field. Give me Jacksonville, baby. I'm with you on Jacksonville, oh. and it's not because I feel great about Trevor Lawrence. He has not been playing well, but when you are playing the Raiders at home, oh, by the way, Las Vegas is coming off a game in which they got shut out, no points whatsoever. I feel a little bit better about Jacksonville. I'm with you on that one.
0: All right, so I already bet this one I did it wrong because I should have waited longer. I got the Rams as two-and-a-half-point underdogs at Tampa Bay. The, the line has moved to three.
1: The I line think, has moved to three. I think this is a stay away for me. Two disappointing teams that should be better than they are. Maybe not elite teams this year, but should be better than they are. I'm staying away from this one.
0: I think one of the two teams are going to figure it out, and I think it's much more likely it's the Rams. I think the Rams are a good team that are underperforming. I think Tampa Bay might be a bad team. Wow. Tom Brady, the quarterback of a bad football team. Isn't that something? I used to have a rule: I would never bet on Browns games, and I would never bet on Tom Brady games. I would always lose. Probably going to be true again. Um, I also love. There's something going on here. I know I'm a sucker. I know it. Nick Costas on tomorrow.
1: Uh, Mr. Costos will be joining us tomorrow.
0: He'll tell me I'm a sucker. It's fine. He's my guy. Uh, Odyssey Gambling Insider, awesome dude, super insightful, on fire. Baltimore, minus two and a half of Monday Night Football at New Orleans. Yes, please. Sign me up. Sign me up. I'm in. Oh, I like that you don't like it. I don't want to be on the same side as you, man.
1: No, I'm with you. I don't like oh, I don't that know. I'm with you, though. Like, I, I, I haven't really been encouraged by Baltimore this year. I know it's New Orleans. I know they haven't done a lot on offense this year. But Baltimore's defense and these fourth quarter collapses have not been going well. It's true. I'm with you on Baltimore, but I'm, I'm hesitant. I think they're the kind of team that's going to beat up on really, really bad teams. You know what? I almost bet on
0: that tonight. I, I really thought about it. I thought about betting on Houston. I mean, pl- they're, they're they're getting twelve and a half at home, and Thursday night football games always, always been on the home dog. Like oh, always twelve and a half.
1: So it's, too it. it's too much. It's too much. And tempted, w- one game. That you may not bet on, but I want to get your opinion on this because you have been hammering this all season. Tennessee Titans are now five and two, and a credit to you, you did not give up on them. And Mike Vrabel, thank you. Sunday night football in Kansas City against the Chiefs. What I'm seeing right now is Kansas City twelve and a half point favorites.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is the number. I, I know like you gets... like the Titans. I know you do. They played them tough in the past too. Kansas City's. I, I just I. I do like the Titans. That's in a shocking number. It's a pass for me. Because I think the Kansas City... This is... And I just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. Because it's true over and over and over again. Is Patrick Mahomes going to wake up and decide that he wants to focus every single moment of that football game? Or is Patrick Mahomes going to wake up and be incredibly insouciant and just like, oh, well, I don't care. And then start to try in the second quarter, the fourth quarter, whenever, and, and win by 10. When they should have won by 24, I don't know. I'll, I'm, Mike Frabel's pretty smart, dude. Thank you for the credit. I gotta tell you, that's a big cash for me. I um, I bet it was plus 58 billion that you would give me credit for something, and I hit it. <laughs> I hit it. I hit it. Oh, All I get paid on, I in is, is happiness. You try to be fair. That's yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I try to be nice. <laughs> Doesn't always work out, but I try. This is my theory in calling calling uh, balls in and out when I play tennis. Accurate. Fair, not generous.
1: Fair, not generous. I'm giving you props on the Titans. Everybody, you know, abandoned them after their 0-2 start, and here they are.
0: They're looking like they're
1: going to be a playoff
0: team. How about Buffalo? Same number, 12 and a half point favorites at the Jets at the five and three. Zach Wilson led Jets.
1: That number sounds right to me. Zach Wilson stinks. He stinks. Buffalo maybe has the best offense other than Kansas City in the NFL right now. Josh Allen is gonna tear them up. Why
0: why is stinks a nice way to describe someone say like that person sucks or that person's awful? You're saying they smell bad. You're saying that he reeks of body odor. He doesn't know how to shower, he doesn't know what deodorant is.
1: Maybe like our you know, our buddy Kirk Morrison, maybe Zach Wilson was smelling himself too much, and you know what? He stinks now.
0: What's the what's the approach on, on a colleague who who won't shower where deodorant like smells
1: gross and makes you gag? Have you ever told them? You know how I handle these things. I don't. I don't do that. I. I stay away. I don't say anything. I'm pretty like honest. I've,
0: I. I. Luckily, I don't have that issue, but it's happened. Like I've never told someone. I feel like maybe that was a mistake. Do you say it in a nice way? I think I pulled them aside. Be like, "Hey, man, I'm not judging. That's happened to me a lot too. I just. I know life gets bit. I don't know. How, you know, what? I don't know how to say it. Hey, man, I'm only starting to be this guy. You. You don't smell good. And just people are talking. <laughs> it just mix in. I will buy you deodorant, two ninety nine down at the grocery store. I got you. Your, what do you like? What's your Old Spice? All right, very bad. Sounds good. No, I'm not talking about stew. Stop it. Uh, let's. Um, I'm not. Dennis Dodd, the Dodd father, going to talk college football with us next year on CBS Sports Radio.